and welcome to the Heart Guy Media Podcast. And we are here today with flubs uh, and sound effects in the background because that's just how we record. We're a very punk rock DIY podcast with one microphone and three individuals today. I am your host, Jesse AHS. And with us today, we have Brian C. Tyler, Sean Henderson, uh, here to discuss uh, 2019's Pet Cemetery, second film adaptation of the of the novel from 1983. Uh, it was only a matter of time before this was actually remade. For years, Alexander Aja was on to direct at one point. There were several script revisions. It's been in the works for a while, and as of 30 years later, after the original adaptation from 1989, we have a new adaptation of the Stephen King classic, probably his most fierce and evil and scary work. Uh, definitely is as far as novelizations go. And uh, obviously we're all big fans of the 1989 film. Have you two read the original book? I'm actually currently on chapter 20. Excellent. Yes, I've read it. Really? Well, no, but why would you want to call me out like that? No, I was just reading. I want the the listeners to understand (laughs) your point of view as someone who hasn't read the book. No, I have never read the novel, and I'm not embarrassed. You don't have to be. Anyway, moving on. So, uh, the novel is my favorite Stephen King novel. It is the film is one of my favorite films, the 1989 film, but. uh, Today we're going to discuss the, uh, you can say remake because they have watched the original film to compare it to it. They purposely did things in lieu to replicate and to change from the 1989 film, which initially reported they didn't want to, they were saying it was just going to be a new adaptation of the book, which in a sense, yes, it kind of is, but you have that movie out there. Yes, some of the actors didn't purposely didn't watch the movie to kind of get their own feel for the character and the story because it is a different story. And King said something interesting that when people started freaking out over... Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. Um, so if you're searching for uh, Pet Cemetery 2019 anything and you happen to stumble upon this and you haven't read it and you're going to put out some crazy statement about how we spoiled it for you, uh, spoiler alert. So, so King said something interesting that I really liked, and he said, you know, whether you take one route or an alternative route, I'm paraphrasing, uh, to get to Tampa, as long as you still get to Tampa, that's all that matters. And I really liked that, and it got to the, even though there were different aspects of the film, it still got to the grief aspect. Now, we can talk about the effectiveness of the grief and loss, I just list loths <laughs> you'll be okay yeah just keep going i said loth like rhyming with moth anyway uh now let's discuss what our initial thoughts were upon finishing the viewing of 2019's pet cemetery brian we'll start with you while i was watching it okay i had very very low expectations I just did. I'm like, this isn't going to give me anything I don't already have with the original. 
But as I was watching it, I was really enjoying it. Like, it had a very similar setup, but it was, like, different at the same time. Right, right. And I liked the acting. Um, Jason Clark is great. Amy Simons. Um, I always thought she was a good actress. And a director in her own right, too. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Look up her work. Anyway, and uh, I agree. Then, I will admit, halfway through, I started getting a little bored. But then, like... At what point did boredom, like, start to itch for I, you? I can't pinpoint it exactly. Like, uh, a time frame? I just know that, like, in the middle of the movie somewhere, I was like, alright, well... Before or after Ellie's death? Well, if you'd let me keep talking, I mean, like, I I do. want to... Okay, continue then. Yeah. Anyway, after Ellie's death, that's when I started to get really back into the movie... See? That's where I was going. Well, you gotta be speedy. You're not speedy. You take a fucking long-ass time to get to your point. Alright, well, I like the long route. Anyway. (laughs) They started changing it up a lot, and I thought it was really cool that they changed it up a lot. And I'd get more into detail about that, but, you know, speedy, 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 you know? You just gotta keep moving. (laughs) Just gotta keep going. Sean? (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the movie. Sorry. Explain why. Explain why. I don't know. Like, Judd was not as effective as, like, from the original movie. Like, he kept, like I couldn't, like, read him. Like, sometimes he came off as really creepy, and then sometimes he came off as, like, a really nice guy. Which I know you said that, not on the podcast. I think... I think he... Well, it was Lithgow's... They left it... Whitmire and Kelsch left it to... Uh, John Lithgow to decide whether or not he wanted to use the main accent. Now, I think getting rid of that main accent, whether good or bad, it takes you out of it being in Maine. And I constantly, it literally took me for the character of Rachel wearing a Maine shirt to be reminded that this takes place in Maine. For some reason, it just kind of didn't have the Maine feel that all of King's books and his, and the, the, the other adaptations from his uh from his works had uh even and i'm not saying completely dependent upon an accent the accent of judd crandall but just not getting that and i said this to brian earlier i think i don't think lithgow did a bad job but i expected him to do something different with the role that he didn't do and i was a little let down by the execution of judd crandall but i think he was so torn how to play it and that's why i'm a i'm a huge proponent of i and him and fred gwynn had known each other they were friends they had they had participated in in acting uh together uh i I think theater act acting as well but um i feel like him not watching the the 1989 film i think he did miss as far as his acting goes he missed some integral points of the character of judd crandall and that and that also makes me think he didn't read the book either because he didn't uh, he, there was a aspect of Judd really missing. A um and it wasn't as effective and I thought like when I first heard Judd, John Lithgow was cast as Judd I was like fuck he's going to kill it cuz yeah, he kills me. everything and nothing against him and his performance in here but it's a 
C, C minus performance from someone who can 100% deliver an A plus performance. I agree with that. He was, I love John Lithgow. I thought he was fine in it. Like he wasn't like distractingly bad or anything. No, no, not at all. He was terrible. One of the most, definitely one of the most disappointing parts of the movie in comparison to the original. Agreed. But I mean, it is like, and something I, I, uh, listening to, uh, Kelsch and Widmeyer talk uh, on a few different podcasts recently. Obviously, with the, the release of the film, they're doing the press circuits. Um, they said that Jason Clark was taking li- improbbing lines from the novel into the book. And they said, wait, that's not in the script. And he'd go, ah, but it's in the book. Yeah, I noticed that. And they didn't, but they were telling him he wanted to do more of that. And they told him pretty much, no, just stick to the script. Don't do that. Believe in our vision, which he did. And I think aspects of the story kind of suffered from that. And I know everyone uh, rides the dick of the Zelda angle from the 89 movie and stuff. And don't get me wrong, super creepy. Obviously, it's one of the most memorable, uh, one of the most memorable scenes in horror film. Oh, it terrified me when I was like six. Yeah, of course. And But to me, an aspect of the book that was so integral that they could have really tapped into uh, was, Timmy was, was the Timmy Baderman uh, angle and Judd telling that story of a, his first-hand account of what it does. The fact that Judd Crandall in the 2019 version of Pet Cemetery didn't tell Lewis that it wasn't what it actually does because he saw Timmy Baderman. Yeah. And from mm-hmm. the novel, obviously, to me... The Zelda stuff is very creepy. It's always been very creepy. But the whole Timmy Baderman uh, explanation that Judd gives in the in the original novel is one of the most terrifying scenes in in any of his books ever. The I'll have fact to read that it. the fa- I, I implore anyone too that hasn't read the novel because it, it paints the picture of Timmy Baderman, his distraught, despondent father over his son dying. His wife has already passed away. His son dies. He's so grief-stricken, as Judd says in the novel and in the 89 film, that he buries his son knowing the power of the place. So he buries his son. Timmy comes back. Now, Timmy's more... I do like what they did in this one. In the 89 film, it just kind of seemed like they were murderous zombies. Yeah. And they were there. They come back. There was no other... Aside from church... uh, in the 89 film, they come back and pretty much gauges immediately on a mission to kill, uh, as is Rachel at the end. Um, but if you bury someone in there and you hear what Judd says, tells Lewis, he tells him, this is why you don't do it, because they come back like this. He came back, Timmy, ba- Timmy Baderman came back, he terrorized the townspeople, he was literally, like, talking to... Uh, to to a woman saying like hey let's go cut a rug sometime and like there was like a, a weird rapey feel to that and then him staring at the sun as it's setting on uh on the property the baderman's property and bill baderman sitting on the back porch and they walk over to him and timmy glares over to him smiling and they're like you know is this really your kid? Because the government's asking about this shit. Do you have someone else buried in your thing? Because everyone said Timmy's dead and he's standing right here. And then Timmy comes over and the dead, the spirit of the Wendigo knows your deep, dark secrets. They try to tear down and tear people apart and attack them that way. 
and that's what he does does to to Judd, to Hannibal and the other friends uh, that are there with Judd at, at Bill Baderman's house, and they touched upon that a little bit with uh, you know Ellie talking mm-hmm. shit to yeah, to Judd, yeah, uh, and so they touched upon it, but they didn't really. You know what I mean? There was no basis of like, hey, when they come back, they know deep dark secrets because the Wendigo is tearing out the, you know, trying to attack your, what will harm you the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they missed that whole aspect with just Lewis scrolling on fucking Wikipedia <laughs> about the bull from the film, from the book that they put in the film, the yeah. little clip it that the bull came back that was presumed dead. Yeah. And the Timmy Baderman thing. The Timmy Baderman thing, if I would have made the film, obviously I'm not, and I'll never see something, I'll never see one of King's books truly brought to life because you can't touch the novels because you just create it in your head that's going to be way better than any film that will ever be made. So, but I would have asked that, I would have glossed over the Zelda shit a little bit and just had it kind of running in her head and then maybe had Zelda for a small, tiny scene. But I would have ran with the, the Timmy Baderman thing and recreated that scene from the 40s of a rotting Timmy Baderman looking at the sun and him exposed, like saying the fucked up shit to Judd and Hannibal, uh, and dealing with that and telling Lewis, that's why you don't do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lewis really didn't. Of course, Lewis went and did it because he didn't really know what it was going to do. And that's why I felt like uh, was missing from the remake was Judd warned him, don't fucking bury human up there. Yeah. He didn't really. Yeah, that never did happen. No. I had some problems with the movie, but you made me rush. But you guys are covering those issues. So, cool. So, so touch upon them. Well, I didn't think the grief aspect of the movie was touched upon enough. Right. You know, it kind of just rushed from, oh, you're dead, to I'm going to bury you in the... But it did, the pace seemed rushed, because it's just like, okay, Ellie's dead, and now I'm crying at the funeral, I share a quick three-second glance with Judd, and I'm fucking gonna, I'm gonna roofie Judd, and then go do... What's Judd gonna do? I also missed the, uh... They didn't put on the remake is like how Lewis had like bad relationship with Rachel's parents. Yeah, like, like there was, was no, missing too. Yeah, there was that no, was like, only like slightly, slightly ambiguously touched upon. Yeah, yeah. When that is like a Lewis's whole feel in the book, you can see that Lewis is kind of a torn guy. You know, he's a he's someone that's done well off for himself, but was raised pretty poor. Uh, you could see in the book and Brian had kind of talked, we've kind of talked about this earlier that, you know, in the book, I was telling him in the book, Lewis has frustrations with family life. He has frustrations with Ellie because he made a comment that in the 2019 version of the film, uh, Lewis seemed kind of like could give a fuck about Gage. Like in the, uh, the book, he always talks about how he just wants to hop in his car and just fucking take off. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that like escapism that Lewis wants too, where he isn't he isn't fully bought in, but then once one of his in the book, once one of his loved ones is taken from him, then he I think is when the realization I think that's what really truly makes the character of Lewis Creed really snap and bury his son. Mm-hmm. One thing I really did enjoy about the remake though, was when he did bury Ellie and then they come back and like he like interacts with her. Like, how, like, puts her in the bed and shit. Like, I found that actually, like, really fucking creepy. 
uh, when he has her in the tub and he sees like the staples yes. in the back of her head. Yeah, that whole, from the time she comes back to the end of the film, the film was fucking great from that point on. When they really took it and made it their own, that's when the film shined. Before that, it seemed kind of like they were cliff noting until they got to that point. Just like, like the pacing in, in like the first half was just like, oh, remember the cat being hit? It's like, oh, do you remember when this fucking, uh, you know, when this kid's died? Like it was just very like quick beat yeah. to it. But yeah, no, no. But then they took their time though. They took their time after she came back. I feel like they didn't rush much after that. Right. It kind of like fleshed itself out nice. I appreciated that. That was obviously. I'm guessing the the part that the filmmakers were more passionate about showing was like their because twist on the story, exactly because they couldn't do that with a younger kid. Like even though Miko Hughes was amazing in the original film, you couldn't get that kind of acting out of a small yeah. child. And I think yeah. that was obviously one of the pushing points for having it be Ellie too. It's like okay, well we won't have to worry about getting a super trained young kid and the. The kid that played Gage did look a lot like Miko Hughes, did he not? He did. He did. It's like they purposely cast him. They said that. They, that they didn't purposely do that. He came in and he was one of a twin, and that's what you wanted for a younger kid, so you can, you know, flip-flop off to, to, for all the legal Yeah, like reason. they wanted to do in the original. But... Exactly. Um, oh, was anyone else... I'm sorry, this is just random. When Gage sees Pascal in the room and he's just yelling... Pascal over and over again. Did anyone else think of the Shining when he's yelling Red Room? It just reminded me of that. I did not. Okay. Just the way he's yelling it. But I did enjoy the uh, the It Easter egg. Yeah. Which one was that? Where wow. she's like trapped on the throwaway and it said Dairy. Like. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Um and of course we saw who he was. Uh, the truck driver was texting. Yeah, Sheena. Yeah. I thought that was a, a that was a beautiful like homage to obviously the original film. And the Ramones. Um, which is funny, though, because so many people are like, this isn't a remake, this isn't a remake. The movie's already been made, so the blueprint for filmmaking of the story has been made. So, obviously, stuff from the original film is in, you know, it's in there. So, it's just not... Pick them up. Hey! 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 What's up? Turn them up. We're, we're chilling. We're in the middle of the podcast. I love this. I just, uh, I just saw Fast Times. Oh my god, this is perfect. We're right in the middle of this. Fresh in your mind. I'm in the, I'm in the car though, waiting for these women inside of Target. So I got a couple minutes for sure. Oh, let's get a fresh take, Eric. First thoughts on Pet Cemetery 2019. Go. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm in the minority, but actually. I really liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was fun and cool. I thought it was a, a an interesting take on the original. I thought maybe it was a little longer than I would have liked. Maybe. Um. Well, you know, I thought the, I thought the little just a tiny twist in the movie where like differences from the original were really cool. I thought it was. Personally, for me, I mean, I know that Jesse's like a connoisseur of the movie. Like it's one of his favorites. But I thought. Um, they changed enough without changing too much, if that makes sense. No, I don't think any of the changes that they made, I don't think were bad at all. But do you, would you agree that the first half of the film was rushed and then after Ellie comes back, it was really fleshed out and they took their time to make it, to, to make it uh, kind of make, uh, make sense? Yeah, actually, I mean, that's, like, the beginning I thought was moving, like, fast-paced. I'm like, oh, this movie's, like, kind of moving pretty fast. And then, like, 
Yeah, like somewhere in the middle there, around her death and stuff, everything just kind of got drawn out a little more, and it was just, it just, I don't know, the, movie, the pace of the movie slowed down a bit. Um, but again, I mean, I, I really liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. I thought the acting, you know, I thought Lithgow's, Lithgow's the man. Jason Clark is a, one of the best actors going right now, and the girl who played Ellie, I thought, um, I thought she did a good job with it. You know, um, I also thought it was more. I don't want to say brutal because it wasn't brutal, but I, I thought it was a little more, um, a little heavier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be much more toned down, but they definitely, you know, like with some of the death scenes, like the the uh, the judge scene, I thought it was pretty graphic, you know. And I thought uh, her killing uh, her mother and stuff, Ellie killing the mother, was uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it shocked me a little bit. I thought they were going to tone that down much more than they did, to be honest with you. Now, you're someone who hasn't hasn't dived into the novel yet either, right? No, it's one of the few King novels I have not uh, read, actually. But uh, but yeah, no. So I don't I don't know like the differences from the book or, or what's similar from the book or whatever like that. I just I'm drawing off the original film. So uh, I was kind of ta- I was kind of um, talking about how they didn't really touch upon. Uh, we're getting into some gripey stuff on it, but overall, I, I think the film was uh, good. I, I give it a seven out of ten on a ten scale. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of the range I was in, for sure. I thought, also, like, I thought the kid who played um, Gage looked just like Mika Hughes. That was crazy. As we, yes, <laughs> we know, were we just were... Uh, discussing that as well. He, uh, it was uh, interesting and, and funny to see that he actually resembled Miko Hughes quite a bit. At least the the two the two twins, because it was twins that played him. But uh... yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I thought that he looked really cool. Did you, see, did you guys see the little um, homage to it in the film? Yep, yep, we had just talked about that little yeah. dairy sign. Did you see the Ramones uh, and '89 film reference? I might have missed that. Word. Fill me in on that. When the uh, trucker was uh, driving and he was uh, texting or receiving a call, it was from Sheena. Uh, you know what? I didn't even notice that. Honestly. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, the, and then the dairy. Obviously, the dairy sign, twenty miles dairy. I thought that was really. So, um, oh, it, oh no, yeah. I mean, I thought it was fun. I thought it was oh, good. I thought it was. I have a question. Go for it. What yeah. did all of you think of, like, the. It's sort of a variation from the book and the movie, the Zelda storyline, what they did with that? It was good. Like I said, I think, uh, I think the Timmy Baderman angle was more integral to the, the plot of the, the whole story, uh, altogether because. Judd never outright told or really truly warned Lewis what happens if you bury a human up there. Yeah, and sure. that is the whole basis of the Timmy Baderman story. From the novel, I was telling uh, these guys, and Sean's in the middle of the book, but um, you know that was the whole warning that they come back, the Wendigo possesses and, and dives into the darkest parts of the people that it, you know, is trying to hurt and tells them secrets, which obviously you got a little bit with Ellie uh, confronting Judd with some dead Ellie. You know, the Wendigo uh, possessed uh, Ellie uh, saying, you know, dark truths to Judd. And uh, that was the whole thing with Timmy Baderman from the novel, him coming back when the Wendigo possesses, you know, the, the... 
the, I mean, the the meat of these uh, people. They come back and they're very cognizant of what the the evil is cognizant of what it's doing. It's trying to hurt people. It wants to it wants to run rampant. It wants to do be evil and and, and enjoys it and it feeds off it. But the, he, Judd never really truly warned Lewis in this version of the film. So. I mean, I thought it was funny that he's just like, oh, "I'll just roofie Judd, and and then he can't take <laughs> yeah. he, he can't take my hornet sting out, and I'm <laughs> fucked." Just a little sting here. Uh, let's really give it up for church. Uh, the, oh, the cats, cats were church, the the, the cats that, that they had for the film were great. Yeah. Did you guys see the picture of the cat with uh, Premier? Instagram, I saw. Uh, the the owner of that cat has an Instagram, and, and uh, people are going nuts. That's great. Um, I just thought I would throw that out there. And listen, the cat the premiere was actually wearing a. Little tiny bow tie, very yeah. nice. That's adorable. You yeah. know I love cats, yeah. which is funny because you're not a pussy fan in real life. I'd like to oh. have a cat one day. I didn't take that as a burn. I just thought it was true. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was great. I thought the acting was really well. I mean, the story, like I said, I said the right amount of differences and tweaks, and um, and honestly, maybe a little bit more than I thought too. Like with the with the little bit of the violence and. But I thought it was I thought it was really good. So um, another gripe that I have, uh, like I said, I'm nitpicky though because it's my favorite book by him. It's one of my favorite novels. Right. Um, but uh, the fact that they didn't mention that it was uh, Micmac Indians' uh, burial ground, they just kind of said, you know, burial ground. Yeah, they didn't really delve into like right but something brian said he got brian uh you know kind of made a point earlier and he was just like well they did at least say the windigo they didn't just completely axe that idea and then it just if they didn't mention the windigo it turns into like a full-fledged zombie film right yeah because the wendigo was never like it was hinted at but never mentioned in the original film right no no so it's like we you know can only have one can't have both in one movie. I guess not. But I was saying that I was telling uh, these guys too that Jason Clark had uh, was trying to insert improv lines from the novel in there, and Kelsch and Widmeyer did not want um, any kind of like extensive improv from the book put in there. Yeah, you know, I can tell. Like, uh, like I said, the, the film has obviously it has its differences, but I can tell like they wanted to make it their own. You, you know, you could feel that they didn't want to go like a direct. I don't know. Like, I was actually, like, thinking throughout the movie, like, are they going to play Pet Cemetery at all? Like, I wondered, you know what I mean? Like, I wondered that. And then, obviously, you hear the the cover at the end of the movie, but... Yeah, from a band called Starcrawler, which are... Actually, it's a it's a great band, uh, and funny enough, the, uh, sing, the female singer of that band dates Danny Trejo's son. Oh, Gilbert. He's a real odd-looking fellow. I like him. Fun fact. Fun fact. I like him. <laughs> So overall, you have a very positive feeling for the movie, then. For sure. I mean, I think it's um, being a horror fan. You know, I think it's obviously there's we always talk about it throughout all these podcasts we've had. There's so many about talking about people being upset about stuff getting remade and, and being upset. But I mean, obviously, Pet Cemetery is a classic, and if they never made it, I would have been fine with that, of course, because the original is so amazing, and the, and the sequel, in my eyes, as well. But um, 
Agreed. You know, they put it out, so I'm going to support it, and I, and I thought it, I thought it was good. So. Uh, and that's the bottom line too. We're supporting, you know, Stephen King's stories, and I mean that yeah, is. Sure, so. so what's uh what's everyone's final? The three of you, since I already said it's a seven out of ten, what do you give it on a ten scale? I'd give it a seven as well. Seven, Sean. Six. Six. <laughs> See, so that's a much better rating than what you implied, gonna, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the 7. I think it was uh, it was enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I didn't, like I said, in my head, I, I kind of felt like it was a little drawn out, but I didn't feel, like, bored at any any really time. I mean, um, yeah, so I thought it was really good. Thoughts? Initially, I gave, I'm sorry. Initially, I gave it an 8, but, like, the more I, like, thought about it, I'm like, yeah. it's, a, it's a 7, but a seven's still great. Uh, who's your uh, MVP of the film? That's a tough call for me. I mean, I just think Lithgow is the man, and I thought he, I thought he played that character pretty well. See, I we we had all agreed that he he's an A plus actor that can deliver an A plus performance, but I felt like he gave a C plus performance. I mean, I feel like what they almost like they what they gave him. I feel like they, he did a good job with like really. I don't know, like what else could he have done to do an A performance? You know what I mean? I don't know. We we also have preconceived notions of Judd Crandall from the great Fred Gwynn who who performed it, uh, you know, masterfully. I mean, don't get me wrong, like Jason Jason Clark's character, like uh, Lewis, like I mean, he's a great actor for sure too. But I I feel like he didn't like he played the great like grieving and like he his his progression throughout the movie is starting off like you know they move there and he's a little bit not like troubled but a little you can tell there's something wrong and then and then the grieving process and then almost to the end like just becoming like almost like a madman per se uh, i thought he did that really well on uh, that progression see uh, i feel like they kind of like uh fast forwarded a little bit through the grief it was literally like ellie gets hit by the truck lewis is crying at the gravesite. him and judd share right. a three second thing and then next minute he's mickey and judd and the freaking at the goddamn campfire tale then he roofies them you know, I thought that was going in a way different direction. So, <laughs> I I have to say, um, <laughs> pulling your pants down, Judd, buddy. It's the way the Indians did it. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what did you guys say for your MVP? Who, who did you Jason say? Clark, one hundred percent. I'm gonna yeah, give it to. He's, you know, he's the top of the line. I'm gonna cut for you, Frank. Go just in case he'll answer. Whatever the cast name that played Church. I'm gonna say uh, the chick that played Ellie. The chick. The chick. The 12-year-old? I told you to go on your phone. You could have looked up the name. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Amy Simons, who played Rachel. I, she was great. She was sort of like the person I connected with the most in the movie. Not that I could like relate to anything she was going through, but like just, I could... Um, she was like my... Eric does have a twisted back. <laughs> she was like my anchor to the, to the movie, really. I like was with her the whole way and i thought her performance was really really good and i think denise crosby did a great job in the original too and it's a performance i appreciate more and more but i think i think i like this rachel more and i'm sorry denise that's rough uh because rachel's less bitchy in this one well to be fair rachel always had a reason for being bitchy in those scenes and it's just it's just sort of, like, rubbed in your face more in this one. You know, she, like, basically talks about Zelda right off the bat. So, um, ending. I thought the ending... Real quick, I, yeah. real quick, can I just butt in? 
I have two females that just entered the car, and they just saw the movie. And maybe we could get their quick take on it. Yeah, let's get a female perspective from... Yeah. And actually, we're going to... Yeah. Bridget! Yeah. Yeah. We'll get all the females. You guys are live on the Hardcore Media Podcast. I feel privileged. Hi, John. Hey, John. Um, Who else is yeah. in the car? You say hi to Tia. Tia. Hi, Tia. Hi. All right, so let's give a quick take on the movie. What'd you guys think? I'll never sleep again. <laughs> That's the wrong movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, were you Were you both swooning over Judd and Lithgow? Oh yes, the entire time. <laughs> Be still my third rock from the sun, loving heart. <laughs> but you guys both liked it. I liked it. I was really shocked when Gage didn't die. And um, what's the girl's name? Ellie. Ellie. I'm, so, I'm so scared my memory isn't working right now. <laughs> and um, that threw me for a loop. Oh, so you didn't know about the twist prior? No, I did not. Oh, that's exciting because I feel like in all the trailers, everybody had seen it. So you were one of the few that didn't know the twist going in. That's a... Uh, that's, uh, that's good to have. I feel like uh, we were kind of robbed of that because we all saw the trailer. It is, yeah. it is interesting they gave that away in the trailer, which that's like because that's a key thing. So why would, I don't know. That's one thing. I didn't the, know. The, uh, the director said that it was a studio call, and they said they didn't want people bashing it on that fact alone. They wanted people to know so they could be like, okay, I know about it, so I'm not going to. Because they feel like it would have, They the studio felt like it was going to throw people so hard that they would have immediately had a negative reaction and... Uh, negative reviews would follow, so I think they wanted to just get it out there to like stop it. Uh, to, to I think that saved it, saved it as a remake. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, agreed. Agreed but. as well. <laughs> but yeah, everyone, uh, everyone liked it. So I mean, I, I think uh, Jen took Ellie's death really hard, though. I want. I, I did. I, I think I looked over and she was. I thought she was in tears, honestly. I was stressed out. I don't like to see that. I don't know why this one bothered me so much. I thought the cat death would have affected you more, Jen. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, I really had a hard time with that as well. <laughs> there was a point where I almost started tearing up. I think I did start tearing up. It I was... actually got yelled at for laughing twice. So. <laughs> I was more disappointed that the dad didn't get to cut her head off with the shovel at the end. I was really hoping for a decapitation. <laughs> so, what did you guys feel on the ending with the Creed family, the remnants of what was left uh, of the Creed family uh, walking up to Gage in the car as the undead window possessed, Windigo possessed uh, family? I liked the fact that they, like, they just, uh, what did they do? They, like, you heard of the unlocking of the car. Oh, yeah. And then it just cuts at the end. I thought that was, like, pretty cool. You know what they did to him, right? They're going to have a no. barbecue that day. <laughs> did they set him on fire? Anyway. No, they didn't send him on fire, but he's got to join the family. He was, it was, like, Final Destination. He missed it at first, and he got it in the end. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I thought Lewis... Now, you guys just saw it, and I can't remember correctly. Did Lewis just put his face in the window, or did he press his face on the window? Yeah, no, he just kind of, like, he looks down, he, he crouches down, he puts his hand on the window, and, and, and he crouches down, he looks in. Yeah. But he, he looked, he looked fucked up and creepy, though, right? Bridget! Yeah, he looks, he looks he really looked creepy. creepy through the whole movie. 
Oh, yeah, I didn't know. Actually, I thought you were done. I think like as soon as Jason Clark got on the screen, Tia was like, "Well, he just looks." He, he looked just, too creepy even he, to be a good dad. He just yeah. looks scary. He does have kind of a. He, he has a look to his face, a little bit. Of, he's got like an evil look to him. He has a Joaquin Phoenix look. <laughs> yeah, I guess. He always looks creepy. He wasn't a white meat baby face like Dad Midkiff. <laughs> mm. That's for sure. Or the raver, Miko Hughes. Or the raver, Miko Hughes. <laughs> well, I think that just about wraps it up for this episode of the uh, Pet Cemetery 2019 version of the film. Everybody, positive to uh, mild, uh, mild reviews. Not, no one outright hated it, and we have some likes and we have some decent love. So. Uh, a job well done, we'd say. Yes, two thumbs up. Yeah, definitely. So, Jen, Tia, Eric, thank you for joining on this Thanks, call in. Perfect time to call in. <laughs> and uh, I'll text you in like 10 minutes. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Later, guys. Bye. 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 Now, was that perfect or what? That was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, closing thoughts. I think that I'm excited to rewatch it and see how I feel on a second watch. And maybe some things will, maybe we'll all enjoy certain aspects of it more. I think that, well, we'll, the first time you both asked me about it, I said, I think I got to see it again to give a true review. Mm, But did you? I haven't yet, no. I might give it one more watch and maybe become a more positive review. Like I said, I, I I mean I got gripes, but it's because it's my favorite novelization, not my favorite novelization of any of King's works. I think it's his best story. Uh, that's my opinion. But um, so I'm gonna be nitpicky. But mm-hmm. uh, did you guys watch the '89 film before you went into this one? Obviously, we've all seen it a million times, so we didn't really need to. But yeah, yeah. I rewatched the Blu-ray. Yep, I got that beautiful looking Mondo Steelbook. I, I think all three of us. As did it. I. Yep. I watched it on my beautiful new sixty-five inch TV, Must and be nice. I had a great, great time just sitting there by myself <clears throat> and watching it. And that's exactly what I did. I on wanted my, on to, my fifty-inch TV. I think there was like a phase where I I'd cry if I watched it at a certain age, like when Gage died. Like in yeah. all the scenes, I don't think I ever that. cried at, at Pet Cemetery. Not cried, I, but like teared up. But it didn't happen this time, and I missed when, that. When I was six, I cried because I was fucking terrified. There you go. I just miss uh, I miss crying. All right. Well, ended on that. <laughs> okay. All right. We shall see you the next time on the Heart Guy Media Podcast, which our next episode will be a simulcast with the Friendship Snake Podcast. I've appeared on their episodes. And now we are going to simulcast, and we will double post. It will be a Heart God Media episode as well as a Friendship Snake episode. Um, and that is coming later this weekend, uh, early next week. And uh, you can rate and review on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Heart God Media podcast. We are on Instagram at Heart God Media Podcast. Um, and we are on Twitter at HeartGodMedia, uh, and you can find us, uh, there. Let us know you're listening. Give us a follow, a like, a rate, review. Like I said, we are very, uh, free form, 
we don't have uh, fancy bells and whistles. You just kind of hear us talk, and then that's what you get. And I am your host, Jesse HS, and we shall see you next time on the Heart God Media Podcast.